Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Uh... Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Women's History Month. My name is Chris. We're my <laughs> oh, yeah. Parker and Alex. And we watched Best of the Best 2, which has several women in it. Oops. Allegedly. <laughs> it kind of feels like you guys you guys sort of glossed over this when you talked about it, uh, mostly because we thought we would save it for an episode. Oh, yeah. That was and my design. While I was watching it, I was like, hmm, why did they really want to watch this? I don't really get it. Then Lord Brackus strolled into the screen and... <laughs> That changed everything for me. But before we get like, into that, <laughs> yeah, sorry, Parker, I'll save it. Do we have any news? Uh, boy, right under the wire. I'm on my way home. I'm sitting <laughs> at the drive-through, and I see a tweet from Collider: Benedict Cumberbatch, already just a hard sell, will play a magician who used illusions to defeat Nazis during World War II in director Colin Trevorrow's War Magician. Just bang, sorry, bang, 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 baby. It's got as, worse with every single word. As somebody who has recently purchased my ticket to Godzilla vs. Kong, I'm ready to also buy that ticket. Absolutely. Right that is just, a just, done deal. Just just, just sell me row F seat 10. Like, I don't care where. I Just just put me in there. I'm good. Right. Okay, um, what? Imagine finishing Jurassic World 3 and be like, all right, finally. One for them, one for me. <laughs> I would like the Nazi magician, please. Oh my god, do you think he's going to make the Holocaust an illusion? <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> this is this is a 1A, 1B with Overlord, you know? We're going to double these up. Oh yeah. <laughs> you see, they were going to execute all them, but then... He sprayed him with a little flower on his lapel, and they were powerless. <laughs> Man, just imagine going to a party in like 10 years, and somebody's just like, Hey, you want to watch all those stupid Nazi movies that came out during the Trump years? <laughs> like, who's, who's going to say no to that? I'm just hoping that you come on the podcast when you're like, Guys, you're not going to believe it. It ends with just all of these dead Benedict Cumberbatches underneath the stage. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do we have any other news? Um, I do, but it might be someone's jerk of the week, so I'll just put that aside for right now. Oh, okay. Are you good? Let, let's, let's hear it. We wouldn't yeah. want the ground yeah, to go. Let's, let's go ahead. Yeah. The fact that in four hours of Justice League, not once does the Joker actually say we live in a society, <laughs> feels like I've been taken advantage of. Well, you were correct. That was my jerk of the week. I knew it! <laughs> I knew it! What a shock. Oh, my jerk well. of the week is the Joker for not saying it. The clown prince of problems. You, sh you should have known you can't trust him. <laughs> I felt it in my bones that someone would pick up on that. I'm so sorry. I'm actually so mad about that. You have no idea. It's absolute bullshit. They made him record that line just to throw in a teaser, and it fucking worked. <laughs> Zack Snyder actually owns. I've... 
I've completed my transition. He's my favorite director now. Parker, do you have a jerk of the week? Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. I sure do. That would be one Bill Gates. Because <laughs> yesterday I go down, I get a shot in my arm, and now I cannot stop drawing my own custom Sonic the Hedgehog characters. <laughs> I've been poisoned. Man, I am so jealous. I can't get anything in Nova. It's... You hate this. What's so essential about your job? <laughs> well, I'm a content creator. Uh, turns out, uh, they just looked at my ID and said, "Okay." So, uh, <laughs> scoreboard. I am so not, in fact, teacher. an elderly woman or a healthcare worker. But uh, I Could've checked. Me. I said I live in Allen, and they're like, "Cool, come on through." <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, my jerk of the week also has to do with something that I recently watched. Uh, now, Josh told me a while ago that he has very powerful memories of the first three seasons of Family Guy. So he said, oh. "I under he now he's he understands that like oh, no. hey that the later seasons are obviously not very good oh, and they're kind God, of cringeworthy, but the first three seasons you know he has fond memories, you know." And I'm like, "I can understand that. I can totally buy that. I remember when I was in high school." A lot of my friends were really in on Family Guy. They thought it was the greatest thing in the world. They bought all the DVDs, including the Stewie Griffin untold story. Uh, but I, I didn't have a... <laughs> Did he just Dudley Do-Right himself? <laughs> anyway, I uh, I don't know. I, I just I didn't really feel like watching it back then. But I, I don't know. I guess I had seen like bits and pieces from there. Some of those have become memes and stuff. So I'm like, okay, tell you what, Josh. I'll revisit some of early Family Guy. I put on a couple episodes while I was working. And what I found is it really doesn't do much for me. Turns out there's not a tremendous amount of difference between early Family Guy and new Family Guy when it comes to, like, the jokes, the structure of things. Uh, I have to admit, they're a lot more subtle when it comes to, like, the, you know, like, the stupid little cutaway flashbacks. This is just like that one time that, you know, that's what they, they actually just say that all the time on the later seasons with no shame. Whereas in, like, the original seasons, they would be a little bit more coy about it, I suppose. Uh, there's some things that are actually a lot better. Lois is so much better. She is, she's like an actual character. Uh, her voice isn't annoying. She's, she's actually really good. Chris is fantastic. He, his voice cracks me up. Whereas in the later seasons, it's just kind of lazy. Speaking of lazy, the animation in the original episodes is actually pretty good. You can see them from angles that you're not going to see later on. And you can tell in like the later seasons that it's all just a computer animating them. It, it kind of looks like that, uh, the webcomic control alt delete where it's just like pre-cut images of the characters and stuff. Oh, I finally got an answer. They don't say it explicitly, but I, I can tell for myself. Now I know why, uh, why uh, Quagmire's face looks like that. Because every other character's face looks like that in the first episode. Correct. <laughs> yeah, it turns out, uh, it turns out the guy just likes to draw big heads. Uh, that's why his neighbor, the guy in the uh, the wheelchair, um, I, don't, I don't know that guy's name. I have to admit, I forgot that guy's name. The, the wheelchair na- uh, neighbor, voiced by Patrick Warburton. Uh, he's got a gigantic head, too. He, I guess the guy just feels more comfortable drawing big heads or something. I guess it's more expressive or something. I don't know. You know, when I was in uh, art school, they told me I was drawing regular size heads. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, there are things I despise. I cannot stand Brian the Talking Dog. I'm so sick of him. Oh, you mean Seth MacFarlane. Right, exactly. That's the thing about it is it's such an obvious self-insert character of Seth MacFarlane that uh, he you can tell that he gives himself all the snappiest one-liners. It's 
it's really kind of embarrassing. I I don't like the character. I don't like him at all. But the worst of all is Stewie the Talking Baby. I am so fucking sick of this character. He's awful. He's like the he's like the only character who's actually improved because in later episodes he's just a character. He's just like someone who's there to give out more lines or something. He has nothing. But he doesn't do the stupid. Uh, I don't know. I'm evil shtick or what? If you can even call that a shtick, it's so embarrassing. It's like really really bad. There was only one joke that made me laugh out loud. It was in the first episode. The uh, the thermostat joke, because that's got really good timing. Everything else, it just didn't do much for me. But tell you what, I'm going to give Seth MacFarlane the benefit of the doubt here. I looked him up. This is a guy who's worked really hard to get where he is. He He's always wanted to get his own cartoon in primetime. He wrote most of his own jokes. He's he's worked really hard at this. I have to say, I appreciate him. I don't agree 11. with a whole lot of his views on things, and I think that there are a lot of things that he's done over the years that have been fairly embarrassing. Like, the obviously, the Trump episode is up there. There's an episode where Stewie beats the, the shit out of uh, Brian, and it's just more violent than anything else. It's just really, really violent. And there's no oh, wait, did you watch that one? No. Is that in the first three seasons? No. I only watched, like, five episodes, <laughs> so... It's, it's really, really, like, it's just kind of brutal, and, and there's no joke. There's another one where he made, like, an episode about domestic violence, and there's no joke. It's just, like, the domestic violence episode. He just beats someone up. I'm like, that's that's not funny. That's really shitty. And I, so I don't like the guy. I really don't like him. Just, uh, just imagine the end of that fucking Werner Horsehog movie where the dude gets eaten by the bear, and he's just listening to footage of Stewie beating Brian, like, oh my god. You have All to right. delete this. You can never hear it. Well, yeah. I, I, I've got to get this off my chest before I forget, but alternate universe family guy where Brian's a pit bull. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he would have got his revenge there. Yeah. There, there's a lot there that just doesn't work. So he's got a very bizarre perception of uh, of how to treat women or how to treat other people, I guess. I like there's there's other stuff that just doesn't work. Is The way the jokes fall in the show they just fall really flat and it's it's just so embarrassing so i don't really like seth mcfarlane it's his show whatever but then i did some more research turns out seth mcfarlane can trace his lineage back to the mayflower and my dad informed me so can i as it turns out my jerk of the week is Christopher Columbus for discovering america and finding out that i might be related to seth mcfarlane I mean, you are in the Northeast. It's possible. Yeah, that's yeah, that's Rhode Islanders. Yeah, stuck together. Brian, oh, at least you found a way to blame it on the Italians. Lost <laughs> <laughs> away. Thinking about the liberal pit bull a lot. <laughs> really, really fucking. <laughs> <with me. laughs> All right. Well, I also uh, I think I mentioned this a few episodes back, but my friend at work, Jeff, I hesitate to use the word friend, got me a Blu-ray of the movie American Sniper. And he, t- he told me, <laughs> I, I have to admit, I asked him. Hey man, I heard you like movies. Did you see this one? <laughs> That's exactly what he said. He said, I actually think you're really going to like this. You know, I'm like, all right. So I gave it a few weeks because American Sniper is the type of I'm movie sorry, where. I'm not over this yet. <laughs> you going to be okay? I like the post credit scene where Brian Griffin takes him to the gun range. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fucking 
<laughs> hey man, I heard you like movies. Here's this movie that made seven hundred fifty million dollars. <laughs> you probably haven't seen it. Well, actually, I did confirm with him beforehand that I had not seen it. So, <laughs> to be fair, All right, uh, well, that makes it less funny. But uh, okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. He, uh, <laughs> He's like, no, come on, I think you really like it. I'm like, okay. And then I thought it was directed by Clint Eastwood. I'm like, oh, perhaps that's why. <laughs> so you uh, watched it with your dad, right? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I got myself in a good headspace. What was my headspace? I was happy and decided that I didn't need to be that happy. Uh, put it on. I actually really liked it. I actually think American Snipers are a really good movie. Um, it did a lot for me. Uh, what I like about it is that it's sort of narrow in scope. It's about a Navy SEAL sniper named Chris Kyle. And he's played by the guy who plays the raccoon in Guardians of the Galaxy. And uh, he he's working at a rodeo, and his girlfriend cheats on him, so he decides, I'll join the Navy SEALs. And he goes and joins the Navy SEALs and goes through their basic training. And then he kills several hundred people. Um, now, this is good old-fashioned American storytelling right off the bat. But what I like about the scope is that it's all about him and his struggles and it does a really good job of portraying this is why we don't ask people what did you see when you were over there how many people did you kill and why uh, it's kind of tough to call this guy a hero like you can talk about how he uh, how he's only in it to protect his fellow man but you don't see a whole lot of that you just see like the after effects that it's having on his psyche and uh, I thought it was good. I uh, I had a good time watching American Sniper. I don't know. I didn't look up what it won at the Oscars because I don't care about the Oscars. But uh, overall, pretty good movie. Um, I haven't I, I I haven't seen as many Clint Eastwood movies as people seem to think I have. But uh, I'd recommend Clint. I'd recommend American Sniper to a lot of people. Uh, that being said, I just have to say it for the podcast. American Diaper. Got him. <laughs> that baby scene. I <laughs> it is the fakest baby I have ever seen in my life. You couldn't even get like like a little sound effect of a baby whimpering or crying or something to make me like th- like fool me into thinking it's real. Come on. Even the pit bulls were like, nah man, I'm not gonna eat that. Exactly. They're like the pit bulls are doing like the Pepsi taste test and everything. <laughs> Love to make a movie about a guy who goes overseas, murders a hundred people, he's like Guys, I kind of feel pretty sad about this. Oh, <laughs> word? Maybe go home then. There's an idea. It's it's complicated. You should watch it. Now, I moved on to some of the movies from the list. No, Parker, I haven't forgotten. I'm going to catch up on you by hook or by crook. Nope. Uh, damn. I, uh, I watched a Brian De Palma movie. It's called Ooh. Sisters. It's from 1972. Alex, you're the resident Brian De Palma fan. Have you seen Sisters? I have not seen Sisters. I would recommend it. I think you would really enjoy it. Sisters is fascinating. It's got uh, uh, Margot Kidder in it, and she plays a dual role, sort of. I don't want to give too many details about it. Uh, the basic idea here is she she's out on a date with this guy, uh, a black guy. That, that comes up later on. And she invites him into her apartment, and he ends up getting killed. And the viewers led to believe that it's by her twin sister, uh, a formerly Siamese twin sister. They were separated at some point, and there's someone witnesses this, and there's an investigation. And one of the coolest things I've ever seen: the movie at at some point goes split screen, where they have the police and the witness coming up to the apartment, while on the other screen they have uh, the the girl and her ex husband, who was also a doctor, uh, try to clean up the crime scene. 
And there's this actual really subtle political undercurrent here about like the police aren't investigating because uh, because the guy's black and uh, a lot of people don't believe this woman's medical story. And uh, there there's a, a bunch of stuff about women's liberation. It's so well done. This is one of the uh, earliest Brian De Palma movies I've seen that I really, really liked. I think he, I think he was known for doing like uh, romantic comedies before this or something. Uh, it's really good. Uh, I liked it uh, quite a bit. Uh, I feel like you had a joke or something. I heard you uh, chuckling while I was talking. Did you have something for this? I don't remember what that caused, but like, <laughs> man, the idea of Brian De Palma writing romantic comedy is really sending me right now. <laughs> I think that's what he was known for. And then he, he uh, apparently the way that he uh, came up with this movie is he saw a picture of two Siamese twins who were separated. They were Russian. One of them looked really bright and chipper and happy, and the other one looked sullen and sad and depressed. That's a great idea for a movie. I, I really, really liked it. Now, that being said, unfortunately, I have to give a single line that will get Parker to want to watch it. Uh, where Margot Kidder says, not Margot Kidder, a uh, different actress says, I know more than those idiot police. I know karate. Okay, well. <laughs> so join us on Best of the Best one. 5. <laughs> Surprisingly, really, really good. I would definitely recommend Sisters. Now, Parker, here's a movie that I think you like that I couldn't stand. It's called oh, yeah? Maniac. <laughs> oh, that's not a Chris movie at no, all. No, <laughs> Holy it's not. shit, no. No, 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 no. That movie bored me to tears, man. That is not a Chris movie at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying to put myself in a place where I can give it some sort of praise, and I, it gets kind of desperate, but what I would say is... Um, it was the special effects were done by uh, Tom Savini, who's also in this movie and blows up his own head. That so, head explosion is my god. Yeah, I have to admit, my I, god, that was actually pretty good. Uh, everything else in the movie is fucking terrible. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> this movie's so fucking dull, dude. Okay, so it came out in 1980. This is right around the time that slashers were getting really popular. I think this came out after Friday the 13th because at one point they reused the head of uh, Mrs. Voorhees uh, for <laughs> a quote-unquote scare. Uh, I'm like, oh, that's great. Glad she's back here for no particular reason. Uh, I guess Tom Savini gets, gets to keep his own props. Uh, I would not recommend Maniac. Uh, I think it sucks. I think it blows. Parker, explain why you like it. I miss really grimy-ass old New York movies. Where just, like, every time they're walking on the street, you know, like, no one got a permit for this. this oh, no. <laughs> bunch of disgusting, degenerate people. And this man's about to commit what looks like a grisly murder. And you know, like, there's going to be an onlooker who sees it, doesn't see the camera, and is like, oh, anyways. Back to where I was going. <laughs> I, I mean, I can safely tell you this. If you ever want a movie that convinces you to move away from New York, it'd be Maniac. <laughs> Absolutely. And most other movies that take place in New York. Okay. Yeah, guys, watch all these movies and move so I can go live in the new grimy New York <laughs> for no money, please. I have never been to New York, nor was I alive at the time, but I have a soft spot for the movies that just capture how fucking gross and dingy it was back then. Like the Warriors, so the Warriors cool. are pretty good at that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, only one more here, thank goodness. Uh, I watched one of my assignments, keeping up the tradition of being the only person on this podcast who does that sort of thing. I watched. <laughs> that's directed at both of you. Yes, I watched <laughs> so Beyond the Wall. Power supply fucking exploded. No I'm struggling here. Find a way. 
Okay, so I watched Beyond the Law, uh, the 2019 one, not the one with Charlie Sheen in a mullet. It's uh, I'm sure to let you choose. That's my mistake. <laughs> this one, this one was assigned to me in the game of game of games, and it's uh, <laughs> that's gonna make me laugh every time. Real it's, proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was billed as having Steven Seagal and DMX. Uh, now here's the thing. That is misleading because Steven Seagal is barely in the movie. All he does is smoke cigars and sit down. And uh, that, that sounds like it. Yep. yep okay. <laughs> and DMX is also barely in the movie. He plays a crooked cop. Uh, but the main star of this movie is the guy from Anaconda's uh, Hunt for the Blood Orchid. Thank you so <laughs> much. Movie that you're familiar with. It keeps I wasn't coming back. Reveal everything. <laughs> Keeps kind of, he's the not only is he the lead star, he's on screen for about ninety eight percent of the movie. It's actually really annoying because <laughs> you keep wanting to see uh, fucking Steven Seagal squint his way through the movie. He's gotten big now. Like I know you guys are talking about, like, oh come on, Chris, we already knew that. No, 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 no. He's reaching unhinged levels of proportions. <laughs> My dude will be in the NHL in no time. <laughs> he's, he's already going to the tryouts. Okay. Uh, anyway, this this movie's actually really boring. I, I can't think of any uh, really good jokes. It's it kind of reminds me of Ballistic X versus Sever, and that is so generic. The basic idea is there's this kid, and he he takes some money or money is taken from him from these. Uh, crooked gangsters or whatever and uh he gets killed because he couldn't pay the money and then his dad comes in played by the guy from the anaconda's hunt for the blood orchid and he has to avenge his son's death and it just sucks it's 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 kind of like the same attitude as something like uh drive across concrete but with none of the style and none of the good writing and there's really not a whole lot of reason to watch it. However, I did come across one joke, which you can find in the IMDb trivia, which I thought was hysterical. Uh, early in the movie, the uh, this is a cut scene. This did not happen in the theatrical cut. Uh, I don't know if this, this was in theaters. So yeah, it's direct to DVD. Just... <laughs> <laughs> that just woke me right up. <laughs> what? Uh, no, the, so the mafia guys or uh, gangsters or whatever, they're interrogating this kid. They're like, where's the money? And the kid's like... Uh, I, I, I don't know, but but I can get it for you. Where's a kid like you gonna get that kind of money? Uh, I can get it for you. My uncle works for Nintendo. They cut that joke because Steven Seagal didn't know what Nintendo was. <laughs> this movie out. came out in 2019, and Steven Seagal does not know what <laughs> a Nintendo is. He's so fucking cool. Alright, Alex, what did you watch? Alright, I got uh, some things to discuss here. Let's take a Alright, so the first thing I watched this week is a movie that is known by two names. One is Extreme, with an X, Fighter, and the other is Psy Fighter. Now this movie stars one Don the Dragon Wilson. I, I had a hunch. <laughs> and also Cynthia Rothrock. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Oh, good. The gang back together. Uh, so, this movie starts out, we get the opening credits, we see our leads... And then we start seeing everyone else in the movie, followed by their, like, world karate accomplishments. Yes, they do it too. That's so good. <laughs> they sure do. And Fuck there's, yes. like, there's like 25 of them. And yes. also one guy who, under his name, just says stunts, which <laughs> did a lot for me. 
So this is a movie where uh, <laughs> Don the Dragon Wilson's shithead teenage son, who, uh, Parker, I know I'm looking directly at you as I say this, but, like, you remember that period of time when the only the only way you could tell the difference between, like, a dude who was really into boy bands and a dude who was really into punk was, like, when they had, like, this when the punk guys had the stud wristband like (laughs) it's just same haircut same like is that guy wearing mascara or not look like so that's don the dragon wilson's son in this movie and uh he's supposed to be like the mentor for this like kids karate group and just keeps blowing it off he's a rebellious teenager so his dad grounds him and then grandpa wants to try to get the family back together so he brings over an experimental game that he's been working on (laughs) where you put on a virtual reality headset and hook into, quite literally, a GameCube with one of those little travel screens that flipped up from the top on yes, it. Those were so sick. I wanted those so bad. <laughs> Dude, same. Dude, the ironic part is Steven Seagal actually knows what that is. <laughs> That's the crazy part of all this. <laughs> so anyway, Grandpa's designed this virtual reality fighting game where hopefully father and son will bond again. So they go into the game. We get... up quite literally a five minute sequence that is just like the Fortnite character select screen of just like swapping through outfits and then like you put on a new outfit and like the like the guy the the guy likes it and then he does like a cool pose and like a dance and shit like kind of works in like shitty like 90s looking virtual reality on a gamecube screen but uh they go in the game and then there's a virus and they get stuck in the game <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we're cut between these scenes of Don the Dragon Wilson trying to find his son and like a pixelated ninja will appear in front of him and they'll start <laughs> fighting and like he has to beat the ninja to move on and then we cut back to the real world where grandpa and scientist Cynthia Rothrock are standing in their living room while these two dudes have VR headsets plugged into a GameCube and you're just sitting there like bro you know you can just wake them up right <laughs> <laughs> It's like, nope, they are stuck in the game. Look at them. The game has their soul. (laughs) We get a bunch of video game-ass ninja fights. We get... Now, I'm not sure which of these is actually accurate, but it's either two different ninjas that hop around making monkey noises or one monkey noise ninja that they fight twice. But... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Is this like the Black Star Ninja? Except with monkey noises. <laughs> like, like when I say monkey noises, I mean, like, he gets hit and he goes like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Incredible. I think we're led to believe it's actually a monkey. It's very, very good in all the best ways. You know, he fights his way to the end. Like, Don the Dragon Wilson's character gets a virus so he like tells his son that he doesn't love him and then his son's like you're not my real dad and then it fixes him and he's just fine and then they fight the bad guys and they get out of the video game (laughs) this sounds really good actually (laughs) now uh (laughs) having explained that plot (laughs) what year does this sound like it came out in oh my god I'm gonna say 2001 that's that's where I'm landing you're close. It's 2004, which is like... That's, no, incorrect. <laughs> it's impossible. Look, the best part of it is like... So, obviously, the GameCube is the dead giveaway there. But, like, the best part of it is it's this shitty 90s fucking karate movie. But it's got a 2004 soundtrack. And by <gasps> that, I mean... <laughs> it's just, like, 
knockoff butt rock bands because they couldn't figure out like how to pay the real ones or whatever. I have in my notes on this line, like Dime Store Flyleaf, and then on this line, <laughs> Dime Store Lincoln Park, because it's just like rap rock, and then a guy shouting a chorus about how you need to trust each other. Like it's. <laughs> <laughs> It's you'll you'll work your way through the Don the Dragon Wilson canon, I'm <laughs> sure, sure will. and you'll get to this. It could have been better than it was, but also like it's pretty good. So I finished that off. It's like four in the morning. I'm nowhere near ready for bed. I scrolled out on Prime to the customers also watched, and the first thing I see is a movie called Terror in Beverly Hills that came out in 1989. So I press play. Now, Terror in Beverly Hills is a movie that first, I must say, is filmed in English, and yet every line is overdubbed anyway. Yes. Which, yes. That You're speaking my language. Yeah. <laughs> Must be on the list. We, the bad guys in this are terrorists who are mad that Israelis are killing Palestinians. Oh. So they kidnap Uh-oh. the president's daughter in quote-unquote Beverly Hills. Now, it's interesting this movie is called Terror in Beverly Hills, because we're in Beverly Hills for about ten minutes, and then the rest of the movie takes place at the old bean factory. (laughs) 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 It's just an incredible bit. (laughs) We have, like, 40 minutes of, like, local cop melodrama of, like, what do we do, what do we do? Until one of them goes, well, we have to go get, uh... (laughs) Hack Stone, <laughs> a former detective with ties to the Palestinian terrorists who has retired. So we get the scene where he has to come out of retirement. The terrorists attack his wife. He has to go to the old bean factory. But, and this is crucial because there's a terrorist plot afoot. No guns are allowed. Oh. So our hero, Frank Stallone, has to do karate on the terrorists. Yes! <laughs> You son of a bitch. (laughs) Dude, this is like one of the worst movies I've ever seen, probably, but in a good way. (laughs) Like, this is an absolute nightmare mess of a fucking movie. I, like, desperately want to know the story of how a Frank Stallone fronted American production ended up with a hundred percent overdubbing of all vocals. <laughs> I'm so confused. I have so many questions. How does it have this title? How, why is why does Frank Stallone not show up to like the thirty five minute mark? It's, I, dude, <laughs> I'm so happy I watched this in the middle of the fucking night. <laughs> with nothing else to do because dear god <laughs> it's so goddamn stupid it's got one of my favorite tropes in like bad like 80s 90s action movies which is where like in the bad guy's death scene in this case he informs Frank Stallone that Frank Stallone knows nothing of sacrifice and then jumps out a window to be shot by cops <laughs> but uh we get the fucking scene where the bad guy is just getting shot by cops for 15 seconds straight and just, like, the body keeps, like, bouncing around like there are firecrackers under it while, like, it gets hit by a million fucking bullets. <laughs> Every single time I see that scene, it makes me happy. <laughs> it's it's real bad, but 
It's a Frank Stallone karate movie. <laughs> what a stupid <laughs> sentence to say out loud. I, I know. <laughs> I just. Well, anyway, it's not good, but uh, it's, you know, yeah. it's one of those Frank Stallone karate movies <laughs> that we're all familiar with. <laughs> hey, a couple more here. So, uh, I feel like in terms of knowledge of these existence of movies, I'm like probably like you know 99th percentile for the u.s population fair to say like i know a lot of movies that exist i think you guys would say the same about yourselves i had no fucking idea that walter hill directed a space movie sorry what oh i might be in on this so i watched a movie called supernova and before you know i bury the lead on that part like this is one of those production hell movies with, where it had like three different directors and they apparently gave a million dollars to Francis Ford Coppola to come do rewrites and it kind of shows like the movie's sort of disjointed but also it's kind of really good like this is a movie that was like panned by critics and has like uh, really shitty critic ratings and like I kind of really fuck with uh, so let me get into Supernova a bit this movie came out in 2000 and our lead is, like, peak sex symbol James Spader, which is not an era that I remember, but apparently was a thing. Like, when I think of James Spader, I'm just like, oh, he's that guy that's a lawyer and everything. Right. But this is, like, cool guy, attractive James Spader, and it's really weird to me. Playing opposite him is young Angela Bassett, Ooh, which, uh, oh, like... Hey. Like, this movie kind of has a great cast. Like, everyone's good in it. Um, we get Lou Diamond Phillips in the supporting cast who Parker if you ever watch this I know you'll agree with me but no human being in the history of the world has ever looked more like DJ Pauly D than Lou Diamond Phillips <laughs> does in this movie like his hair is like slightly not spiked enough but it's like slightly spiked in the front and he's got that Pauly D nose and he has the expression on his face like dude it just i did a double take like four times like it, it, oh no never mind okay okay uh the bad guy in this movie who is the guy from fast lane that isn't bill bellamy <laughs> man how many times has fast lane come up on this show dude i'm about to just order the fast lane uh blu-ray box set it's got to exist right it has to i'm thinking about it because it's not streaming anywhere and it should be how would the fuck Every single company has a streaming platform. Give the people Fastlane already. I know! <laughs> so, like, I say this in honestly the most complimentary way possible, because you know me and you know my feelings about this person, but this is like a Tom Cruise-esque villain performance. Like, his thing is just like, I'm gonna be super cool and super sexy while also, like, blatantly being a villain and people are gonna fall for it because I'm so charming. And it's the guy from Fastlane, but it works <laughs> like like this movie is like visually really stunning i think like all the space shots look great especially for a movie from 2000 i was very impressed with those it's like kind of stupid and there's like a little bit of like formulaic space stuff but this is the movie that i hoped to get when i started watching sunshine like Excuse me. Oh, Jesus. Keeping yeah, that. Was... Yeah. <laughs> I felt that. That's that champagne of beers working on you right there. <laughs> um, No, but like, like, uh, I'm well avowed on this podcast of my frustration with Sunshine because it's a movie that I feel like should have been great and wasn't. And this is like 
the pretty good version of that, but it sticks the landing and, like, doesn't ruin it. And I kind of really appreciated this when I, like, like, I looked around after I watched it and saw that apparently nobody likes this movie. I was, like, really surprised. And, like, not in a way of just, like, the movie was so stupid, I fucking loved it. Like, I thought this was, like, actually really good. <laughs> like, especially by space movie standards. Like, I feel like this is one of the, like, I don't know, like, 25 or so sci-fi movies you should watch to, like, understand the genre. I, I really, really like this. Although, I will say, this movie's very horny. Like, very, very Ooh, horny. Well, and, <laughs> like, like, there are multiple subplots of, like, you know, we're out here in space and we don't have anybody else to have sex with. It's a good point. Like a guy that's in love. This guy that's in love <laughs> with the the fucking robot computer, and like the robot computer flirts with him, and it's kind of weird. Like, it's horny in the kind of the same way that Species is horny, where it's oh, like this movie oh, doesn't yeah. need to be horny, but it it just is, <laughs> and you can't. But like, other than that, I liked everything about this. <laughs> like, like it's it's not like a guys you got to watch this movie. But when you're flipping through, like, streaming in, like, six months and you remember this and go, let's throw this bitch on. Like, you can do a lot worse. It's not bad. It is absolutely in my future. Yeah, it's the kind of movie that I think you would really enjoy. It's so weird seeing, like, James Spader in, like, the fucking Han Solo part in a movie like this. (laughs) But it works. Every... (laughs) Also, there's a... There's some extreme body horror in the the beginning parts of this oh, that fuck yes. you will appreciate. I feel like Walter Hill is one of those directors. Like anytime I watch one of his movies, I'm like, oh fuck yeah, this rules. And then I just don't think about him again for like yeah. two more years. That's exactly yeah. the way I think about him. Like the first episode of Tales from the Crypt. Oh my god, it's so good. Like for what it's worth, he actually like credited himself on this movie under a pseudonym because he was so frustrated with like I guess what the studio and the rewrites did to his movie. Yeah, but that like, makes sense. like like I I I understand knowing afterwards like how this was a development hell movie, but like it still came out pretty good. Like uh, they shouldn't be ashamed of this one. <laughs> All right, two more here. Um. I watched a movie called Baby Geniuses 6, Solar Babies. <laughs> what? Okay, so it's not actually a Baby Geniuses movie. Oh, this skip to the next one. This movie Probably. came out in 1986, and it's called Solar Babies. <laughs> now, Chris, you talk a lot on this podcast about movies ripping off Mad Max. Do I? Solar Babies is just Mad Max with orphans. Alright, like, keep talking. We're in, like, future world where there's no water... And there's all these orphans at this orphanage that, uh, they like to sneak out and play lacrosse on roller skates. Um, the guards also have a team of lacrosse roller skaters, and, like, they're playing each other, and it's, like, a bunch of teenagers, and, like, a couple of them have mullets. Our leads in this movie are a baby-faced Jason Patrick and a baby-faced Jamie Gertz, which is, like, makes this movie, like, really interesting to me. Because it's just, like, this weird teen movie in space. Like, they find a magic orb, the orb makes it rain, and then there are Nazis doing atrocities on, like, space gypsies. It's very confusing. Like, this movie is extremely disjointed. You're just, like, wandering around Mad Max for it. You're like, why are there... Why is there an orphanage? Why are all these kids here? What happened to all of the lacrosse games? Why are the kids on roller skates in literally every scene in the whole movie? And then, like, 
there's there's a magic orb there's a water crisis like they go to they go to tire town where people are just like <laughs> melting down tires for rations that sounds it's like, like a mario level it's it's baffling like baffling they this is like at its core it's like a teen movie like teenagers just happen to be in this like weird setting and they're carrying around an orb and the orb is also a magic being and the being talks to them and the the evil government is trying to take the orb to destroy it and like the nazis are wearing like plastic suits and it's dude i don't really know what i watched but i was kind of like enthralled the whole time <laughs> it's just like a weird fucking movie like it's the plot is completely just like straightforward teen movie stuff but with weird space shit and it's kind of like tank girl but not annoying is like the best way i can think to describe it huh? I, I can't worse. separate tank girl and not annoying i'm sorry yeah sorry exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right last one i knew i had you know 90 to 100 minutes before we were recording so I fire up Amazon Prime. I'm like, I'll just find something streaming under 100 minutes. So I watch Space Adventure Cobra the movie. Oh, hey, that's actually next to my watch list. Is it any good? Chris, you're going to love this. All right. Like, oh, not no. just from, like, no, not just. <laughs> <laughs> How much blackface is in this movie? <laughs> I don't even mean you're just going to enjoy it because it's, like, a shitty 80s anime. Like, this is one of the most visually interesting movies I've ever seen. Because, like,. I don't know how else to describe this. There are, like, almost yellow submarine-esque cuts in between scenes of just, like, weird psychedelic shit in this Space Bounty Hunter anime. Okay, now we're talking. You're referencing a movie and neither like, one of us liked. <laughs> I know. Like, but, uh... I, I can't think of how else to describe it. Like, it, it's it's got, you know, that 80s feel. Like, all the characters are drawn as cool as possible, except for the lead who literally looks like a character from the Legend of Zelda cartoon. <laughs> it's like the the he fights the bad guy who is named I'm sorry, I do not want to mess this up. And my brain is just like falling out of my fucking ears right now, so give me a second. Ah, yes. Our lead who is only referred to throughout the entire movie as Crystal Boy. <laughs> His evil plan is to uh blow up a galaxy to demonstrate his power and he looks like if you crossed Brachus with C-3PO <laughs> <laughs> the plot of this movie is that our hero Cobra who is uh, his his left arm turns into like the strongest gun in the universe on command yes. and yes. he like there's a big bounty on him from the space mafia so he changed his face and then this bounty hunter girl finds him and then she's like, oh, no, actually, I'm in love with you. And also, I'm a space goddess from this planet, and I have two sisters. And okay. in, order to become queen of the, in order to become queen of the planet, like, all three sisters must love the same person. But So we have to go break my sister out of jail. But then her sister kills her, so her consciousness gets transferred to the third sister. And the third sister's like, ah, yes, I feel my sister inside of me. I am now also in love with you. So we literally get, like, a fucking Landfill 2 plot in this movie, which <laughs> fucking owns. It's starting like, to sound like that King of the Hill episode where they go to New Orleans and uh, <laughs> Bill Dotrieff accidentally sleeps with one of his sisters. <laughs> just, like, this whole movie is just this, like, cool space guy and all of these hot anime babes that are just, like, 
Ah, uh, yes. Now I am also in love with you. We must go to this planet. At one point, a, a robot tells him, you must go fight the snow gorilla. The snow gorillas. <laughs> now I'm okay. in. I'm now in. you're in. talking about language. <laughs> so he goes to the snow planet, and then there's eco terrorists, and then <laughs> we get the scene where the second sister slash girlfriend gets killed by Crystal Boy. <laughs> <laughs> and in her death scene her outfit is a full bullet a full body orange wetsuit with a bikini over the top of it yeah right, what's what's this called again <laughs> space adventure cobra the movie oh of course because there was an associated anime that was like 60 episodes long or something so then this Mr. Popo-ass hologram floats up to him and tells him <laughs> yes. that, that uh, the only way to become queen of the whatever planet that the sisters are from is for all three sisters to be in love with you, or uh, only one of them is left alive. So now the third sister becomes queen, and the space mafia controls him, so he has to go fight against Crystal Boy. <laughs> <laughs> and you're watching this, and you're just like, uh, of course, he's going to end up with the third sister. Her conscience is now in a new body. Like, this is how the rules of this universe work. And then it's just Final Fantasy X, and she has to blow herself up to save the universe. Oh, spoilers for Final <laughs> Fantasy X, a game I was never going to play. <laughs> so, fucking, he just gets in a ship. He's like, oh, that was weird. Anyway, on to the next adventure. Boy, that sure is a new OVA called Cobra, <laughs> the animation, colon, the psycho gun. Yeah. <laughs> you the, guys. The psycho gun is what his thing is called. It's it's extremely good. I fucking loved this. Like, it's not as grimy as a lot of the stuff that we've been watching. It's like with the it's almost like I would say the level of grime of something like Gunbuster. Where like most of the time you're watching through like four episodes and you're just like Oh, this could probably be like PG thirteen. They could have played this on TV, and then there's just like tits at the end for some reason. And right? Like, oh, yeah. never mind. But like, it's that close to being acceptable for actual TV audiences. Right. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Like, I had a fucking blast with this. I'm ready, man. I I will say, um, for all of the people out there that watch this and are like, Ugh, classic early '80s cash in on Star Wars, go fuck yourself. There can be other movies in space. Right. Like. Like, multiple adventures can exist in the fucking universe, man. Just shut the fuck up. Yeah, he's a cool guy character, which very slightly resembles Han Solo. And also, shut up, man. Movies can exist. I'm sorry, uh, Parker, I don't remember any psycho guns in A New Hope. Uh, well, in the original cut, Lucas <laughs> got his grimy hands on it. And I think that Space Adventure Cobra is the last thing I was going to talk about this week. So, uh... Yeah, go ahead. Well, first of all, thank you for reminding me that I watched uh, a little bit of Jersey Shore Family Reunion, which was entertaining for exactly two and a half episodes. Yep. And then they ran out of jokes and things to do, and then I turned it off. So you know what? It's all 10 out of 10 experience. I don't know how many seasons there are. I won't be continuing. Because the funniest thing, which is what you mentioned when you first watched it, was that Sammy didn't want to be on the show. So they just got a doll of her that plays all of her sound bites. <laughs> <laughs> and then they went back to it every 15 minutes. I was like, okay. Oh, wow. I see. We have nothing here. But, uh, you know, watch like the first two episodes. You're good. It's good to yeah. see uh, all, all your friends again. 
And then it's like, oh, like they're all in relationships and Mike's sober, so like none of these club scenes are very fun. Yep. But we're still going to a club anyways for some reason. Yeah, it's uh not great, but good for them. So uh when you said that in Tiger Claws too, that they would have this tournament so they could harness their power to open up a portal to the past. Yeah. I kinda thought you were exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> As it turns out, you were absolutely not exaggerating one bit. Correct. <laughs> this is has my favorite thing of these shitty direct-to-video movies, where the cold open is just a montage of all of the kills from the previous movie. Like, it's like <laughs> watching a Friday the 13th where you just see all of Jason's kills, except it's just a bunch of martial artists getting tiger-clawed over some sweet, sweet Angelo Battlemente music. It's <laughs> really good. It is... It is very clear, because this came out, like, what, six years later or something like that? That they probably had a script playing around, like, whatever. And the Mortal Kombat came out, and they went, Say, we can do that, too. We can have people mm-hmm. fight a tournament to the death and have a magic portal. Uh, doesn't achieve the same outcome. <laughs> Might surprise <laughs> you. But, uh, let me put it to you this way. I will be watching Tiger Claws 3. Goddamn right you will. I'm still all in. <laughs> Because, like, nothing happens until, like, the last half hour. And then the last half hour, it's just a bunch of people in pajamas murdering each other in the cheapest dungeon you've ever seen. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I I love that the quality I found is, like, a 4x3. Looks like it was ripped from an 8th generation VHS. Oh, yes. That is also see. the one that's on Prime. You hit play and the, the window it opens is so tiny. You're like, oh, I see. <laughs> I haven't had this happen since so I used fucking real player in middle school. Alright then. It's I would not want this in HD. It would take away from it for me. So here's the thing about Don the Dragon Wilson. <laughs> it turns out he's the next in line in a long history of vampire hunters. Wait. Oh god damn I it. sat up straight in my chair. Everyone listening needs to watch Night Hunter. It is so good. It is basically <laughs> Don the Dragon Wilson is Blade, but Blade doesn't exist in movie form yet. Now, it dispels a lot of myths about vampires. You've heard them all before, like the garlic and all that. You can only kill them by driving the stake through their heart. Incorrect. Actually, the only way to kill a vampire is to break their neck. <laughs> so... <laughs> Every, like, ten minutes, he finds some giant goon wearing fake teeth that they can barely talk over. They have a fight, and then he puts them in a sleeper hole and breaks their neck. (laughs) For the entire movie. It is so good. Because, uh, for some of the scenes, they try and show, like, how intense it is, how raw, and, like... So they try and do, like, the Boring-style shaky cam... But it's 1995. <laughs> so it's just someone just shaking a camcorder around while he does spin kicks. <laughs> it is so good. There are multiple goons. My favorite is the woman whose vampire power is being able to run fast and making cheetah sounds at people. <laughs> <laughs> it is like 80 minutes long. It's streaming on 2B TV. It is magnificent. Don, uh, Alex, how would you describe Don the Dragon Wilson's acting? Would you say he is a very charismatic person? (laughs) (laughs) 
he's like on the level of charisma as uh, Ronda Rousey in Fast 7. Oh, <laughs> correct. Oh. Also, he is the best actor in this movie by a significant margin. Oh, no. <laughs> there are so many scenes of just big, muscly goons sitting at a round table while a guy in a fucking trench coat and Matrix glasses gives a fucking exposition about how the family has been murdered and we must stop the hunter. <laughs> we must breed is... to feed. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking good dude. the fact that they just have to be like oh wait, those are all myths the only way to do it is to break their back and you're like wait what and then every <laughs> single fight scene he just like puts them in a fucking half Nelson and twists their neck clean off it's so good <laughs> is this the one with that ending that you showed us <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're into the breaking a dude's neck, putting him in a fireman's carry, and just throwing him off like the second story roof. And they still used a dummy to shoot the <laughs> So it's just a quick cut to a maybe a half a second of a dummy falling like 15 feet. <laughs> <laughs> and also, this battle happens in broad daylight because vampires <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> Sounds good. The absolute strongest recommend. Alright, Chris, I'll lean towards you more so for these. So, uh, on Sunday, we had a lot of plans. And then, uh, daylight savings happened, so we just drank margaritas all day. Because we're like, fuck, it's too late already. Mm -hmm. So we fired off three Disney movies in a row here. Hey! We did did Little Mermaid, Aladdin, and Hercules. I'm going to fire off some takes at you about mostly the first two. Okay. Uh, So, Little Mermaid, I... It's another one of those movies where it's like, I assumed I'd seen it, and then as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh no, I just know Under the Sea. I've never actually sat down and watched this. Holy shit, seriously? This isn't, this, isn't a, this isn't a boy movie. Why would my parents okay, rent this for fair, me? Fair though, when I was growing up, this was one of my favorite movies. I used to rent this from John's video all the time. Like, I'm sure I would have liked it if I saw it, but my sister wasn't born until 94, and That's then I saw fair. everything. Right, yeah. So, uh, what I didn't realize was that, like, all of the songs from the South Park movie are just songs from The Little Mermaid? Yep. <laughs> there, yeah, there's there's a lot of parody from that one in particular. There's, I mean, a couple of them are parodies of other songs, but that one in particular is, yeah, kind of obvious. Because I just know Under the Sea, and then I get to another one, I'm like, wait, that's the Saddam song? What is this? <laughs> this is I Can Change. So uh, that was an interesting experience for me. And uh, to my good friend Adrian, hey man, I get it. I, I feel you, dude. Yeah, there's, uh, there's but, uh, that scene where the, it was the reprise of uh, Part of Your World where she's staring into his eyes. Look, little four-year-old Chris knew something at that point. But, uh, you know, some people create a different, and that's why I would like to go on record and say I would love for human form Ursula just to slap me around. <laughs> just put me under her spell, spit on me, force me to wet her, do whatever. I will do anything for you, queen. So for my Aladdin hot take... Uh, Holy World's the worst song in that movie, right? What? Okay. This right. song sucks ass. I actually really like that song. <laughs> I do but, too. It's but compared to on this podcast. Prince Ali and Friend the, Like Me, come on. Okay, all the songs in that movie are good, though. I don't think there's a worse song in that movie. Prince Ali's really good, though. But it is also hard to separate it from being alive when that came out, so just having that in your face... For the last three decades maybe that's on me because that's a mo- another movie i know i watched this one as a kid but haven't seen it since i was a kid so i just associate it with 
30 straight years of marketing in my face. Would you say that you like Aladdin more than The Little Mermaid? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think Aladdin's Aladdin's definitely better. Um, Little Mermaid, I think, is interesting mostly because that was the big uh, Disney renaissance. That was the one that got people interested in Disney movies again because they were kind of faltering a bit before that. Whereas Aladdin really took the formula and cranked it up. I think Aladdin's a lot better than... I think a lot of people give it credit for. A lot of people gravitate more towards... uh, like Beauty and the Beast, but Aladdin, man, Aladdin's got some really, really Aladdin's good stuff in there. Real good. Also, come I, on, we just say it, Jasmine said top three. Oh, oh absolutely. Like, top one, but yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, hey, that's that's in the top three. I uh I really need to do a rewatch of some of these movies like coming up. It's been too long. I would highly, highly recommend them. Uh Parker, now you said you didn't have much to say about Hercules, but come on, I gotta get something out of you for that. <laughs> Oh, I will, but I do want to say one interesting thing about Aladdin now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you can see it is the prototype. It's the patient zero for, like, every annoying fucking thing about modern animated movies. Uh, you can just yeah. see every single seed planted, and then Katzenberg leaves for DreamWorks, and you're like, oh, I see Shrek all over this. That motherfucker. He Unfortunately, took. yeah. This movie made all of the money on the fucking planet. Like, this made, like, 200 million domestic, which. Did not happen for animated movies ever. It made all of the money. It's like, wait, you make adult make jokes the, the adults laugh at too. Great. <laughs> I don't know what my favorite Robin More references quote in there is, but I really like a the William F. Buckley impression out of fucking yeah that <laughs> that was a real pause. Like, hang on a second, <laughs> the other, William F. Buckley, the Jack Nicholson impression really kills me. It's, it's really good. <laughs> gotta be that the man is shooter. Do you got it? <laughs> That man is going for it. Also, yeah, I mean, when uh, Jasmine gets taken under Jafar's control and he puts her in that outfit for some reason, that was a that was an important moment. Yeah, like, that was definitely an important moment in Parker's <laughs> development. That was a real like, oh, hey, what's going on here? What's huh? Maybe not all girls are icky. That's weird. Oh, hang on a second. But now, like, I'm still working my way through a lot of Daisy movies, but this is at the tippy top. It's so fucking good. Yeah. Uh, Hercules, I'm not saying it's bad, but, like, it's so disjointed. It's... Yeah. It's a weird fucking movie. So... Every song that isn't the Greek chorus is balls. So, the ones... Oh, the the two songs, (laughs) which would have been uh, the one by Philoctetes, who is... Uh, who is uh, played by Danny DeVito. <laughs> that one's okay because I was like, oh, I didn't know that Danny DeVito could sing if he called it singing. I actually like the other Sometimes the... Sorry. It's uh, the one that Meg sings. Uh, I, I actually, uh, I really like that song. I love it. <laughs> Shut up. I'm still hung up on him saying, thinking about Danny DeVito singing because all I can hear is the fucking Nightman coming. <laughs> 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 gotta pay the troll toll to get in you want the baby boys hole you gotta pay the troll toll you know Zeus I thought the rape scene went really well <laughs> overall I actually uh, think Hercules has the second best soundtrack for a Disney movie I will say like with Danny DeVito sometimes the obvious choice is still the right choice sometimes yeah. like you see fan castings and everyone picks the same person you're like okay no Idris Elba isn't gonna be James Bond shut the fuck up but, like, sometimes, don't overthink it. Yeah, Danny DeVito should have always been that character. Yeah, I He's think perfect. if I had a major criticism of this movie, it would be Hercules himself as a character. He, 
he's kind of a little bit of a wuss. As uh, strong and powerful as he is, like that, that little lower lip, you know, pouting the entire time over things. Like, come on, dude, grow up. I do love the Greek chorus singers. They are fucking fantastic. Oh, they're great. And also, it just ends so suddenly. Oh, yeah. I was <laughs> shocked. Like, it's like, okay, here comes the big... Oh. Well, all right, then. Guess they ran out of money. These, shit, these things ain't cheap. Yep. Uh, but it's really hard to talk about it without mentioning the fact that actual Cuban monster James Woods is like an incredible top five Disney villain performance. He is so good in that movie. It's it makes you hate yourself because you're like, this is. I can't even pretend this isn't good. Like I can't even pretend to be anything else. But it's so charismatic. It's I want to watch a thousand Hercules movies that just have him being a big sassy bitch the whole time. There's probably a whole lot out there. He's he's worse as a person than he is as Hades. <laughs> you know, you really hate having to cancel your heroes. But uh, yeah, I feel like this is like it's the tail end of the Renaissance, right? Where it's like, okay, you've you've tried this little formula like 18 times now, and uh, the returns are getting worse and worse. I'd have to look at the Wikipedia article, but I think the last good movie of the Disney Renaissance era would be Tarzan, because after that you get Atlantis. Atlantis has some good parts, it's but it's not a good movie. I hated that movie when I was a kid. Like it's it's hard for kid me to hate a Disney movie, but there we it, were. But it stands out like it's that bad. It does have my favorite character in Disney history, which is the guy who blows stuff up. He made me laugh. I just remember because this came out the same time as Hunchback of Notre Dame, which had the same problem of like, wait, is this supposed to be like a real serious movie, or are we just going to keep cutting away to these godforsaken sidekicks every ten minutes? Because holy shit. The gargoyles in that movie. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, unbearable. Agreed. Uh, but it's it's been fun watching them, because the same two directors did Great Mouse Detective, Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules. They're like, all right, make whatever you want. You've printed us, like, billions of dollars. Just make whatever. Like, oh, sick, we can finally make Treasure Planet. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Oopsies. Um, let's see, what else do I want to talk about? Ooh, one last thing. You know, your buddy here opened up Hulu and saw a brand new movie called Boss Level. And I looked at it and I saw, huh, that's Frank Grillo. Yes. Huh, that's that's Mel Gibson. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and hit play on this. What could possibly go wrong? So basically, it's just an R-rated time loop movie where this like super secret agent, like special ops dude, keeps living the same day over and over trying to figure out what happened, why he was put there, and why this person... Mel Gibson is sending all of these assassins to murder him. It is like a solid three stars. It is absolutely fine. It's the kind of thing that would have gone to a theater, made no money, and then in six months people would have been like, hey, you know, now this is a red box. You should check this out. It's pretty fun. It is, it's 90 minutes. You're not wasting too much time. Frank Grillo is very good. I hope he catches on and gets to do like bigger projects at some point. Because that man has a lot of charisma considering he's in absolute doo-doo-ass movies. But, uh, Chris, there's one cameo that you will find uh, very important. Yes? So he lives through the uh, the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, obviously. And one of the first things that's happened is uh, someone attacks him with a machete. He dispatches this guy, and then right he does, a helicopter flies in front of his window and just chain guns the shit out of him. This happens multiple times. The chain gunner is Rob Gronkowski. 
So uh, just go ahead and pencil that in for your future. Uh, just let me know. Uh, I could just let this surprise you, but I'm just going to ruin it for you now. At one point, he goes to his favorite bar. And then I'm greeted with his favorite bartender, one Ken Jong, which almost made me turn the movie off. <laughs> oh my god. Thank you for saving me the time. <laughs> but it's actually an incredibly good gimmick that he explains like, yeah, I die at the same time every day, so I just come here and get absolutely blackout drunk so I don't feel it when I get decapitated. Which, you know what? <laughs> I understand. It's it's pretty good. It's I'd say like two and a half, three, maybe three and a half. Like absolutely solid modern action that's more jokey than not. You could do a lot worse. And now we must go face Brackus for our prize. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like I said at the beginning of this, for a while I really didn't know why you guys wanted to talk about Best of the Best 2. I didn't really understand the appeal. The movie starts off and it shows clips from the previous movie. I was like, oh, I remember that. Those were fun times. That one guy almost got killed. And it, I think they were in Las Vegas, and there's a helicopter flying around, and they land on top of this casino or something. Going in there, there's this club scene. And I'm like, what is the appeal of this? What, what am I looking for? I see that Wayne Newton is credited. I'm like, is there going to be a Wayne Newton scene? What's going on here? And then six foot six, 285-pound white dude looks at the guy and says, What did I say about guns? Warriors fight here. Get rid of it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to introduce you to, uh, as I call him, Lord Brackus. <laughs> or as Wayne just... Newton calls him, Brackus, champion of the underground. <laughs> or champion of the underworld, sorry. First of all, I'm happy anytime any character in any movie explicitly states that guns are for pussies. Because I know that I am in for a great time. <laughs> also, agreed. <laughs> and second of all, Dear God, man, what a villain introduction. I know, he's like, 21 foot rule, I'm just hanging out. <laughs> he looks like something you would find in the basement in Overlord. Like, he looks like a Nazi fucking nightmare creation. He looks like what Vince McMahon thinks Brock Lesnar is. Exactly. <laughs> and he's just got, is he wearing a robe at this point? I don't know if he's wearing like a robe Fuck. or a tunic or what. Uh, you want to tailor a suit for those fucking traps? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Get out of my face. Oh, imagine how many... You know, they always make the joke, like, how many people does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many people does it take to take his measurements? <laughs> That's an elite team. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. We have run out of tape measure. <laughs> All right, so there's no way to say this, but to just say it. They basically have a Roman Colosseum inside a Las Vegas casino, now, I know when I say it, you're like, oh, so it's where they fight to the death. I'm like, there's a little bit more to it than that. This isn't like a fight club in, a, in some basement. This, is, this isn't like a UFC cage match like in Pikachu, the detective movie. This is more like the walls are made of stone and the fighters are wearing loincloths. I've never wanted to go somewhere so bad in my entire life. Also, Dude. the master of ceremonies <laughs> is Wayne Newton. <laughs> Dude, I'm not gonna lie to you. When I first watched this, it was like three in the morning, and like during one of these scenes, I texted the richest person I know and asked if he was rich enough to get invited to the underground fighting events. <laughs> <laughs> 
What do you mean? Come on, I know they make you say that. Just uh, like, 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 dude, just just one time, man. I, I, we've been friends since like 2005. Come on, just, you got to do this for me. Begging you, I want to see <laughs> the Lord of the Underworld, Brackus. Well, unfortunately, you won't get to see Lord of the Underworld, Brackus, in this opening fight. Instead, it's some black guy versus Chris Penn, who somehow got fatter. <laughs> Crispin in the shittiest Street Fighter cosplay you've ever seen in your life. He looks like he's on his way to try out for, like, the New Jersey Devils as a goalie, okay? He's getting (laughs) bigger and wider. (laughs) That's what made who read the script and saw only two scenes, huh? Well, I'm good. I'm good here. Well, this, unfortunately, his girth leads to the slowest kicks and punches I've ever seen in any fight. That's saying something because you just watched a Steven Seagal movie. Exactly, he is taking his time with these punches and punches and kicks, and he uh, he beats the black guy and says to him, "Sorry about that, Sinbad." Uh, so <laughs> he sure does. Turns out his character doesn't just, change very much from the first movie. In case if you were wondering if he had any personal growth after like their beautiful end with the Koreans last time, no, no, not, not in the slightest. So uh, he says, oh, hey, man, I can take any one of your pussy liberal fighters. And Wayne Newton's like, oh, really? Do you think you could take Lord Brackus? And he's like, oh, especially Lord Brackus. I think about two hits in the face, you go down. <laughs> so uh, he says, all right, you want Lord Brackus? You're going to get Lord Brackus. <laughs> all this happens while Brackus is just silently like walking up to a woman like, Oh, yeah, you'll do. Come with me. (laughs) He's just choosing his pick of the litter in his giant black robe. Uh, Bless you. So uh, we'll use that as a transition to the kids' karate tournament. Now, look, there's no other way to say it. Whoever produced this movie really wanted to include his kids in his Hollywood karate movie. It's a good instinct, I get it. Yeah, like, it's astonishing how lame little kids can make karate look. Now, I get it. (laughs) Karate is already one of the lamest martial arts, but it looks even lamer when you're nine years old. (laughs) Just imagine, oh boy, I'm going to show all my friends on my soccer team, my movie I'm in. And all these kids gather to watch Lord Brackus murder Crispin (laughs) with his bare hands. So, one of the kids who, uh, one of the kids, it's a son, actually, of Eric Roberts' character, is competing, and he's working really, really hard with Tommy Lee. And, uh, <laughs> Still funny, by the way. <laughs> and he's, he's trying to, you know, compete, and one of the things is he has to break a cement slab or something like that, but he can't do it because it's really hard. And he can't do it, and it's like, oh, well, I'll try next time, and my parents still love me, and I'll try extra hard, I'm just like... Gee, I wonder if at the end of the movie he will learn how to break it. Also, the kid's name is Walter. I'm sorry, you cannot name a child Walter. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my biggest problem with the movie is the grade that he gave to the Johnny Smith signing. It wasn't that bad. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good stuff. Anyway, uh, they're at home. They're jolly little home, and... Walter, the 12-year-old, is uh, playing NES Tetris. By the way, it's 1993. Get a Super Nintendo. And he's telling his dad, Hey, Dad, by the way, I called the babysitter and told her to fuck off. I'm going to hang out with Uncle Chris Penn. And Chris Penn's... <laughs> no, you're not! Get out of there! 
Under no circumstance should you ever leave your child with Chris Penn. Do you know what that hat smells like? Holy shit, dude. Uncle Chris Penn decides to pay. You want to come to the illegal underground Chinese Roman Coliseum fights? <laughs> Dad will be so mad if you take me to a casino. Well, here's the thing about the casino. <laughs> if you look in the basement, actually, I will kill a man. <laughs> you will watch me take a man's life. So you ready to come with me? <laughs> Coward who couldn't break the boards? <laughs> so he, he goes in there and Chris Penn fights Brackets. I use the word fights uh, kind of loosely here. Because Brackets beats the absolute dog shit out of him and then snaps his neck in front of a 12-year-old. So, uh, entertainment. <laughs> like as, as soon as the movie establishes that all the rich people outside get to decide if Brackets murders his opponent. I watched this at four in the morning. I could I could not have been more awake. It was so locked in. It was so fucking great. Uh, I really like that Wayne Newton literally does the slow motion thumbs down when Bracket snaps Chris Penn's neck. <laughs> like that was the moment where we realized, oh, that's why they wanted me to see it. Also because his God name is Bracket. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm stuck on that name. Okay, so it does it, fucking know that the perfect villain name has been taken by the shitty movie no one will ever see. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, he, little Walter, tells his <laughs> father. Uh, his, by the way, his father Eric Roberts. For the longest time, I was like, where the hell is Eric Roberts? Turns out that's Eric Roberts, and you can't recognize him because he doesn't have that sweet hairdo from the first movie. Real missed opportunity. I know, he has a haircut like mine. What the fuck is he doing? <laughs> All of the scenes with this kid are a lot funnier in the context of his kid getting hit by a car like three years ago in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, so apparently the, the canon of this movie is that he was just in a coma for like three years and now he can do... Maybe that's why his punches are so weak. Get the gym, nerd. <laughs> like, son, I'm disappointed in you. You couldn't break the boards even though you couldn't move a year and a half ago. <laughs> You know, if your feet were stronger, maybe that car wouldn't have leveled you, the piece of shit you are. Well, maybe you should get into the training dojo with James Earl Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they're like, hey, uh, Mr. Wayne Newton, we've uh, heard that our friend was killed here by a Brackus. And Wayne Newton's like, uh, never heard of him, boys. Uh, I've never seen your friend. And they're like, okay. And then they dig him up out of a river. Like, hey, uh, we found him. He's waterlogged, just like the weed rat. You heard the nice man. He's he said he left with a broad. Oh, that's our Chris Penn. Always getting a hot snatch at the karate dojo. I have to, I have to admit the idea because the way that Wayne Newton says it, it's like, yeah, he got the shit kicked out of him, but he he got up under his own power and kind of groggily walked away with a, a hot young thang in his arm. I'm like. That does kind of sound like Chris Penn's character. If he had just said, yeah, then he kicked a minority on his way out the door, I'd be like, oh, that's it. Yeah, we got him. Thank you. Yeah. We'll try to control him, officer. Yeah, then they find his... I have my rights to... Okay, sir, if you'll just come with me. They find his swollen waterlogged butt... Oh, he already looked like that. They find his body in the river, and they're like, hey, what the hell? You told us that he walked out under his own power. Turns out Brackus killed him. And they fight, and Tommy Lee injures Brackus's perfect face. <laughs> the fucking mirror Which shot. Sets apart, sets off the chain of reactions that is the rest of this movie. Because his face gets cut, and he just decides, like, 
I want him dead. I want this kid dead. I want their families dead. <laughs> it's a little bit of an overreaction, but hey, it is brackets. Yeah, exactly. it feels in character. Like I'm, I'm totally good with it. So they have like, a, all right, brackets. You do whatever you want to do, man. So they have a funeral <laughs> for their racist Texas Miami karate doing fat friend. <laughs> I forgot he's from Miami. Yeah. <laughs> And guess who should show up at this funeral? Our good friend Dayhan from the first movie. <laughs> I flew from Korea because your dipshit racist friend died. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he kind of had to now that they are, uh, you know, they're they're literally legal brothers. <laughs> oh yeah, I love and, this movie. Uh, just glosses over in the montage, like, oh yeah, the Americans, we totally won the competition. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm to be fair, that's exactly how we would have handled the coverage of that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just right there next to all the America wins Vietnam pieces. <laughs> so Eric Roberts and Tommy Lee decide that they have to do some wicked epic training to fight off Brackus. So they go to some trailer park uh, in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> and this is where I really want to emphasize something. Tommy Lee. <laughs> Is Asian. He's with, he's of East Asian descent. You look at him, you're just like, oh, are you Chinese or are you Japanese? Well, the people who made this movie decided, no, no. Now he's Native American. <laughs> Absolute nerve. I want to talk about this Native American. I use the term very loosely here. Family. None of them look anything like each other. Look. You guys think Elizabeth Warren watched this movie and was like, huh, it's that easy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Pretendians. So, <laughs> one of my favorite characters here, they meet some drunk guy. I don't know if he's related to Tommy Lee, but he, <laughs> I have to admit, he kind of just looks like Elvis. It's like, I guess Elvis never really did die. He did retire to some trailer park in the middle of Memphis, and now he trains people in karate. <laughs> it fucking owns. The, you actually can't tell if this guy's related to him, or just some other asshole Indian. <laughs> I couldn't tell! I don't know what Johnny Longbone's deal is! <laughs> I've seen this twice in the past three months. I still have no idea. <laughs> and he just, like, these drunk stumbles in, he's like, alright... Pick up these sticks. I'm going to teach you how to fight with a bow staff. Well, that's <laughs> okay. A, wait, first of all, sure. their initial meeting of this guy, who I guess goes by the name James, uh, they, <laughs> they beat Same. him. He's drunk as a skunk. They kick each other a lot. Then the drunk guy throws up, and he just kind of walks away under his own power. I'm just like, is that going to be like that little kid's karate scene at the beginning of the movie where we get no resolution? But no, he comes back, and Mama... Tells him that you have to help train uh, Tommy Lee because he needs to take revenge against Brackus. Which, if someone tells me that, I guess I have to train him now. So he's like, you must this use woman, the boast. This old Native American woman living on a reservation knows who Brackus is. Can I just emphasize how cheerful this woman is to be living on a reservation? I'm just going to call my dad and be like, hey man, uh, things are looking so good. Yeah, I gotta... I gotta face Brackus tomorrow. <laughs> Send me some good vibes. <laughs> I have to face Brackus. Like, could they get attacked at, at uh, Eric Roberts' house? Which, do they all live there? Don't worry about it. Well, the <laughs> Tommy's like, oh, don't worry. I know where we can go. And just 
cut to Native American family. They get, yeah, they got little. <laughs> they got little uh, saggy Grandpa Joe over there. It's, it's really important to note, that, like all of these scenes just take place at like some fucking three bedroom ranch. Yeah, like it's not like they're on the reservation. It's just like some house where all of these natives collaborate and do karate. Yeah. The movie just stops for his shitty kid to just watch his dad and best friend run and do spin kicks on gravel for like 25 <laughs> minutes. Oh yeah, they also have to spin their bow stabs around. They, they have to do it like very fast and switch their hands and stuff and Eric Roberts keeps bonking himself in the head like Gandalf in the Hobbit's <laughs> land. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then that leads to an interesting scene where they all get inside this hot box, which, okay, man, I'm ready for it. John Redcorn's going to lead him on a spirit quest here. And Tommy Lee goes inside his own mind, and I think it's, is it revealed or is it just a dream sequence that Brackus is now retconned to be the one who murdered his brother? Because that's, I think, what they're trying to communicate. I think that's what that scene was trying to say. Brackus was the Phantom Menace all along, <laughs> haunting Tommy Lee. I'm just imagining Brackus wearing a Dehan mask in the fucking tournament. <laughs> like, I cannot, like, he looks like Broly, but real. It's yeah. fucking insane <laughs> how big Brackus is. I, I just want to get this across because no one on the planet has seen this movie. But he is ginormous. He is an anime. And they're just like, oh yeah, uh, actually that wasn't a one-eyed Korean man that killed your brother. It was actually <laughs> the legendary Super Saiyan. <laughs> so Brackus is training at his compound. And it kind of looks like the same mansion that uh, that Fraser had in Money Plane. And... <laughs> <laughs> He's beating up his servants and just requesting that, and also telling Wei Nun, bring me the boy and his father and also Tommy Lee. So they he sends their uh, thugs to go kill uh, Eric Roberts and his son and his family and bring Tommy Lee alive to them. Uh, I guess this is uh, the little Walter's big moment in the sun because he distracts the guy by kicking his hand. And Eric Roberts is able to spin kick him or something, take his gun. So Tommy Lee is captured and brought to the underworld Roman Colosseum. Uh, <laughs> and he's wearing the shittiest, the second, sorry, the second shittiest Street Fighter cosplay in the movie. Uh, and his first opponent is Stavros, the Olympic gold medalist in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Barmistan, boys. <laughs> Do the Seven Nation Army song. <laughs> Do the whole thing. They say my dick is small. Dum, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> now, here's the thing about wrestling. You're not allowed to strike in wrestling. There's no punching, kicking, headbutts, none of that stuff. So he gets the crap beat out of him by Tommy Lee, who's allowed to do karate chops. <laughs> Why did they think that he would I mean, win anything? <laughs> as someone who's watched a lot of early UFC in the last couple months, yeah, it checks out. There's a lot of guys who sprawl for a takedown. I was like, you know, you just knee you in the face, right? right. They're not prepared for it. <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, after he beats Stavros, he then has to go against a guy with dual nunchaku. And uh, <laughs> this dude 
the ponytail and the nunchucks are you I want this guy's movie I want to follow <laughs> <Yeah>. him <laughs> in any in, if it, this movie was made today this would be Tony Jaa listeners oh if you've ever seen a movie where the main character wields nunchucks the whole time please let us know <laughs> yeah honestly gosh so he's I'm ready to watch that movie like right now like pause the podcast like just just give me nunchucks this dude is going nuts with these nunchucks like you guys have seen enter the dragon right remember when bruce lee gets his hands on a pair of nunchucks it's like really really badass this guy's got two he's just going he's whipping his hair around at him it's I like that he tries a hair whip like three times that doesn't work. He's like, oh, check this shit out. He just pulls out his nunchucks and starts screaming at him. <laughs> Dude, like, I feel like every single martial arts movie needs at least one guy who tries to use his hair as a weapon. It's like an integral component for me. <laughs> every time it comes up, it's good. Now, you might be thinking, what the hell ever happened to Eric Roberts? Well, he's storming the casino with Dehan. And uh, they're just spin-kicking random people on their way to get to the Coliseum. And God, I wish the Italian guy was back so bad. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> just needed Chris Penn to say no, and it would have gotten him being the Duke getting Yo. the fucking arena. <laughs> Yo, this Brackis guy, he's a real figure Luciano. Hey. <laughs> I'm spin-kicking here. <laughs> NYC Brackus voice is my new account. <laughs> Please follow what me. What slur do you think he would call Brackus? Ones <laughs> oh, you've never even dreamed of. <laughs> so you gotta look it up in Encyclopedia Britannica. You're like, oh damn, jeez. Oh man, it's like a three for one deal. Anyway, so Tommy Lee gets the better of Lord Brackus, champion of the underworld, and is uh, <laughs> punching his face repeatedly. A lot of blood going on there, and kills him <laughs> you remember the whole last movie they're like Tommy you, you gotta stop holding back you've gotta attack him. <laughs> look at this monster this you movie, created <laughs> this movie ends with like alright you just you stay down he fucking pops up like Michael Myers at the end and he just breaks his neck one good turn deserves another. This is what you get. So, uh, Wade Newton's like, Ah, great kid, you're going to be my coming attraction. We'll call you Chinese Charlie. What do you have to say to the nice fans at home? <laughs> and he says, The underworld <laughs> is closed. <laughs> what? Chris, I love your Peter Griffin, by the way. <laughs> I'm thinking about Peter Griffin fighting brackets like the giant <laughs> <laughs> it's doing a lot for me <laughs> Like this movie has Like it flies by But it has so many moments that stick out Cause it's a karate tournament movie And you have to think like wait a second They murdered the drunk uncle Like fucking Willem Dafoe in Platoon <laughs> Like they light him up And like 40 squibs go off. Oh, I forgot about that. Holy shit, that drunk guy gets shot to pieces. He dies <laughs> so violently in this silly karate movie. Okay, so I don't... I, also, I just, real smart move to be like, oh my god, someone has to avenge him. Should it be Eric Roberts or the guy who can fight? <laughs> hey, Eric, why don't, why don't you and your kid go hang out with Dayon for a while? <laughs> 
Okay, I'm sorry, but I have to do this. My God, Lois, I can't choose between Meg and Chris. This is like this is just like that one time I had to choose between Lord Humongous and Lord Brackus. <laughs> You're not sorry. <laughs> I'm a little sorry. So, best of the best two, clearly not quite as good as best of the best one, but it's got a way better villain. <laughs> I really respect the fact that that quick they're like, nah, this doesn't need to be a real movie. It's fine. Just put <laughs> Lord Broly in a fucking cage and let people. I love that he just sits on a giant throne during the preliminary. <laughs> that's the thing. They never actually call him Lord Brackus. They just call him Brackus. But just take one look at him. That word is going to come out of your mouth one way or another. <laughs> Dude, like, he should I, be I, dressed I, like video game Shang Tsung. <laughs> he should have skull helmets. <laughs> like, if slash when, hopefully when, I get to the underground rich people fights, like, if it's not Roman Coliseum themed, I'm gonna be so pissed off. It's like <laughs> such good iconography for this stupid ass event. I fucking love it. Like, some of the guys it's are wearing loincloths, some of them are dressed like they're in Street Fighter. It fucking owns. It's, it's crazy how much this movie is cheap. But the set is so fucking cool. Yeah. And I want to spend all of my time there. You know, what? the other thing that, that gets me about this is this is very much like an angel cop sort of plot and that it has nothing to do with the first movie. <laughs> Correct. God, I hope it's The it, fact I hope that just shows up like, hey, remember that time we're brothers now? Sorry to hear about your dead friend who's dead. <laughs> do you want to fight Brackus? <laughs> it, like... It's funny, because, like, when we lay all these movies out for the listeners that haven't seen them, they're probably just like, oh, so two starts, and it's just completely different, and you just go with it. No, they actually spend 20 minutes trying to bridge the gap, and that's the funniest part. (laughs) Oh, man, what a crazy tournament. We opened a karate school now together. It's like, okay. (laughs) Hey, you notice how we didn't mention anything about his kid at the end after setting it up in the beginning? Yeah, neither does the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Brackus really he does just... have Luciferian proportions. <laughs> he is. <laughs> <laughs> he is not only Lucifer from the anime, but also a Dracula. Like, if you invite him in, you are beyond fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out that guy wasn't in a whole lot of other movies. He wasn't Beer Fest, which I know you guys are. I'm also scrolling frantically trying to find something. He was, he was in a couple other things, but nothing really stands out, unfortunately. So. You're right. I should rewatch Gladiator just for this guy. Good call, IMDb. <laughs> okay. And that's the tea, sis. 